Hey guys, welcome back. We're back with Season 9, Episode 46 of our weekly Q&A content. Uh, it's a video. If you're on YouTube, it's a podcast. If you're on sort of the RSS feed or the major podcasting platforms. Uh, See, I thought you were going to just say, and it's a podcast, if you're on the major podcasting platforms. Because that would have been funnier. Like, I feel like there's like a little bit of a joke there. It's a pod- and you're, It's a podcast if you're if you're listening to a podcast if this is a podcast right now it's a podcast and if it's a video video. on youtube right now then that's what that is (laughs) and you can you can figure out and let me know what what type of thing it is i don't have to tell you you already know see that felt like that joke was right there i don't even know what joke you're talking about i don't get it okay i'm i'm i made it and i'm not even in on the joke so i don't know exactly what's going on but um you have some stuff you want to say sure so We'll start off with the injustice stuff because if you're watching this, I'm going to talk a little bit about process right now. Yeah. And so the last, I don't know, few months, it feels like maybe almost a year, I've been trying to make sure that we have some footage that's relevant to what's happening in injustice mm-hmm. instead of our routine footage where it's just grinding. Because now that I've gotten enough Valorum Alloy on two accounts mm-hmm. to spend, like there's nothing else to spend it on. That was yeah. sort of the rate limiting step for everything. So I don't feel like I need to grind the Phantom Zone and the multiplayer the same way. Mm-hmm. So I've been experimenting with play, trying to make teams with each week's either multiplayer or challenge character or sometimes both or maybe even the gear. Yeah. And so this today is Suicide Squad Deadshot. And what you're seeing is some Suicide Squad Deadshot footage. But because of my process... I have to be prepared for Thursday. So I have to play around with the next team, which would include Jessica Cruz. Yeah. And so I started playing around with her and she is so good mm-hmm. that, I mean, like I said, you're going to have Suicide Squad Deadshot footage. He's there with Suicide Squad Harley Quinn. It's a pretty good team. It's decent. I'm learning so much about stuff and it. I'm learning a way that sticks more than at, on an intellectual basis where you're memorizing facts. Yeah. Like... So I, I've always known that Jessica Cruz has those multi-hit combo enders. Yeah. What's cool about this is that when she tags in, and if she's got Master's Death Cart when I tag in, I'm actually do, getting the combo ender probably like 80% of the time mm. on the first tap combo. Interesting. And what's really cool about that is, so there's that tension between, so she's got really great combo enders. She does more than her share of basic damage on a tap combo because yeah. of so many extra hits. So the temptation is to make her a basic damage dealer. However, as a special specialist, if you've got her with Master's Death card, you can basically get a free tap combo in. Most of the time, I'm getting a combo ender. Yeah. And so I'm generating a whole bunch of power. A huge amount. Yeah. So what I did originally was, what uh, the footage you're probably going to see is the one that that's sort of the ideal. But what I started with was John Street Green Lantern, and Hawkgirl, and Jessica Cruz. Because Jon Stewart would give her the Green Lantern boost to do more hits on her special two. Mm-hmm. And he would add something because he gives her protection when her health is below 10%. Yeah. It's not bad. Makes her a little hardier. Makes her harder to knock out. The problem I found with Jon Stewart Green Lantern, though, is that uh, his special one is not ranged. And when I say mm. it's not ranged, so all the Green Lanterns do that 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 sort of um battering ram thing where, yeah. where it's almost like a it is a battering ram yeah. right so they just throw that thing and it it goes a distance yeah 
John Stewart's just doesn't hit if they're far away. I don't know what what's up with that. So it just flings and then disappears it against disappears. them, and then nothing happens. Right. So I'm playing him as a uh, what do you call it? A gear stripper, and mm-hmm. he works that way because when you load him out like that, it, it, it has to work. It just does. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really matter if the special one hits on the one that's stripping the gears, mm-hmm. but it's a pain because it would be nice if it you know, did a little bit of damage, made a bit of difference. So what you're seeing that's a bit more effective is Lantern Hal Jordan. So he's better because his special one hits, it's not ranged. But the funny thing is that now I know on a gut level, because I feel betrayed, is that Red Lantern Hal Jordan does not count as a Green Lantern for Mm. Jessica Cruz's passive. And okay, so, you know, on a technicality, that's entirely fair. Because there's a Red Lantern, not a Green Lantern. Right, I get that. But it's still Hal Jordan. Yeah. And I think, who who is it? There's there's um, Sinestro Green Lantern. Yeah. Counts as a Green Lantern. And I feel like Hal Jordan should count more towards Jessica Cruz. I know, in, I mean, because it's a Hal Jordan connection, but I think the Green Lantern connection is probably, well, not probably, it's definitely more important. Yeah. So this is an example, I think, of how when you play the characters, there's something that you learn about how they play more mm-hmm. than you would than just on an intellectual level if somebody just told you facts about yeah. each character it's it, there's an experiential learning to it that is almost impossible to just sort of predict in a vacuum right and that's why we do experiments with stuff right instead right. of just thinking about things on their right. sort of from first principles and then right. imagining how stuff works right. oh I, I should point out too the other thing is because it's Red Lantern Al Jordan, and he comes with the power. I don't have to give him Master's Death card. Mm. So that's how I know with Jessica Cruz how good it is, her tap combo with Master's Death card, why I'm getting the combo under so much when I wasn't when she was just tagging with only Tanty Togo and not Master's Death card. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love this team, and I'm maybe potentially jumping the gun because I think I'm going to stick some Jessica Cruz footage on here because she, she is that good. It's just that much fun. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what you're watching, uh, what you well, guys are watching. Yeah, eventually. I mean, it's only been uh, six minutes, so you're probably. I'm gonna start with letting you have some Suicide Squad Deadshot yeah. footage because it's a good team. I mean, it's not so much I guess that the team is good as this particular gear, uh, gear loadout for this kind of team composition that you could really s- swap out different characters if you want to, as long as they did not have a really crappy special one. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, but you've also been, you wanted to talk about something that you've been watching, which is there's a show recently <coughs> yes, that you've been really enjoying. So I grew up in the era of the first Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. So I was young. I was less than 10 when I saw the first trilogy. Yeah. And I imprinted on it pretty hard. Like that's one of my Star Wars, which was originally not A New Hope. It was just Star Wars. Excuse me, I'm coughing a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's um, back then, the, it was it was re-released, I think, in 78 with a bunch of toys. And they even yeah. gave you like little pamphlets with all the toys and stuff. Like th- that was like the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Love that movie. I appreciate it in a way that is not entirely justified by, I think, how good it is in some ways. Yeah, it's like how like one of my favorite movies when I was younger was the live action <laughs> Scooby-Doo movie. They were pretty good, though. 
you know, whether or not they were good, I could not tell you if they were good at all. Right. Right. I just, I loved them. I loved them dearly, but their their quality is a separate factor, right? Yeah. They, I, they, it wouldn't invalidate my seven year old opinion if they were terrible, right? It right. would still be. At one point, I don't. I gotta think about it first about whether it's worth telling that story. I think it's a funny story, and I I would like to share it, but I don't know if this is sort of the proper the appropriate venue for it. I don't even know what you're talking about, but the story about how we ended up watching Scooby-Doo and why it became your favorite movie. I just want, yeah, whatever. Anyways. So, but it's, it's got a place where, uh, in sort of that, um, the pantheon of movies where it's a lot of people's favorite because it did a lot of things that were new at the time. Yeah. It was a compelling story, but it lacked, it lacked any, it lacked a bit of depth and realism and being grounded in a way that Andor has. And I love Andor. This is the best non-original trilogy Star Wars that I have ever seen. Hmm. I'm almost through the end and it is compelling in a way that I did not expect. So that's, that's kind of, that's really cool. Cause there's, there's really good media. <clears throat> and I feel like I have this kind of perception of Star Wars and Marvel and some of those, you know, the the new Jurassic Park kind of movies mm-hmm. um, and a lot of stuff like that, where most of them, I think, <clears throat> don't rise above good enough. Right. And some of them can do some interesting stuff. Right. But for the vast majority of them, and there's there's exceptions. Every once in a while, one comes along that can be really cool and do something really new or interesting. Um, well, but- I think Marvel has the best chance of that only because what you're doing is taking so much different work from different writers and artists mm-hmm. so that it's not really like one particular vision that you're trying to branch out of like yeah. say jurassic park like it those are clearly yeah meant to capitalize on that intellectual mm-hmm. property but for the vast majority of them they are enjoyable but relatively i don't want to say forgettable but like you you get through them and a lot of them don't do too much special they they're too big to sort of do anything right. except play it mostly safe right they're not trying to be meaningful in a way they're trying to be entertaining yeah yeah and yeah. that's fine and there's there's a place for that but so it's cool and i think one of the things that's been happening with sort of like the streaming stuff and when there's like different approaches to sort of ip right where you can be really sort of protective <clears> of it <throat> and really careful with it and i think that's when you run into sort of making really safe bets with something. Mm-hmm. But then there's when you have a big IP to go, okay, if we have something with this IP, it means that it's going to get a lot more attention than something that's unattached to anything. Right. So we can afford to be weird with it. Right. And it's not as big of a risk. And then right. maybe we'll hit on something great. Um, and obviously, you know, that's like... That happens very rarely though. Yeah. It's an oversimplification. Uh, but I think it's cool that there's interesting stuff happening uh, right. with things that we're already familiar with and it it feels like there's a lot of stuff happening right now that's like sequels there's not as much like independent stuff and we're seeing also like a lot of you know shows and streaming shows being like canceled after like one season right now or like partway through their second season and stuff and like seeing sort of the money get funneled all the money and attention and everything get funneled into like the the handful of shows that are ridiculously popular yes and then a bunch of really good stuff just getting totally killed early and so it's cool that in all that there's still sort of space for cool fun interesting stories to be told where you don't expect them to be and i think in one sense it's almost more surprising to me when a star wars thing manages to do that as opposed to something that just is sort of smaller or a new ip or coming out of nowhere or whatever because i think those ones you know 
you expect sometimes they right. will be really weird, but you don't expect that from something like Star Wars anymore. What was the last Star Wars trilogy? The one was, um, you know, the one that comes the Force Awakens, the Force Awakens, the last Jedi, so I whatever. Yeah, I remember when I was watching Force Awakens yeah. that it felt like a rehash of the original Star Wars mm-hmm. for plot points and just general like stuff, and not not necessarily even done in a particularly interesting way i mean it was great that it was star wars yeah it's, it felt perfectly good enough <laughs> yeah and i didn't watch the movies that came after it mm-hmm. uh i am assuming they were also I, I saw people saying that they weren't very good rogue one that they were good. okay rogue one was pretty good rogue one was was cool but that a lot of them were like mediocre and that they didn't yeah. get very good reviews Um, and I, the other thing that's so hard now is I think that so many people, there's, there's a really, um, strong sort of, uh, filtering how you view movies through like a political lens that's Mm -hmm. been happening where Mm -hmm. people will choose different pieces of content to really, uh, focus on, uh, for something sort of almost entirely outside of like how good the piece of media is where they go, this is too woke or this is too whatever. Right. And people sort of form opinions on the content, like before it's even out. And I know that like star Wars has been a victim of that with the most recent trilogy where there was a lot of people who made it like sort of like a culture point. Right. And like a, like a fight that, you know, they made like a stormtrooper black and all this other stuff. And so there was this, uh, whole conversation that I think muddies the water a lot when you're Mm -hmm. looking at how people feel about something where it becomes really hard to tell if somebody liked or didn't like a movie on its own merits or if it had to be part of something bigger. And the the funny thing is complaining that Star Trek or Star Wars or whatever is woke is just like a, such a funny argument when the, the, I mean, they were always left leaning. They were always counterculture counter-establishment yeah counter whatever like they were meant to be i mean it's the rebellion please like yeah it was anti-establishment and, and like the sith and stuff were supposed to be like america if you look at like reviews right i yeah. forget what it was it was like the gorilla like fighters were supposed to be like uh representative of like the vietnam war and stuff and so mm. like the uh, unwinnable was... war yeah, and so then it was uh, explicitly the Empire was America. So, so it clearly, I mean, it, I, I don't mind that people took something different away from it, but clearly the people that are trying to make it like somehow this is new mm-hmm. were not watching or just did not understand what they were watching the it, first time around. It's like how the Matrix has become, and the language of the Matrix oh, the red has pill become the such a, like a dog whistle and such like a right-wing talking point when it's like the exact opposite of the sort of creators and their politics and their viewpoints yeah yeah but love Andor. i i can't recommend it enough you haven't seen it right have not yeah i've heard good things but i have not seen i would recommend it because it's 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 definitely not that kind of a story it's 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 much more layered and nuanced and complex the same way that star wars is really simplistic Mm. Like, you've seen Star Wars, right? I have seen Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, so it was really, like, there's not a lot of nuance in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And or totally very, very compelling. I can't wait to see. I think I've got maybe two more episodes left. Okay, yeah. so there's there's a recommendation. So let's get into the first comment of the week. This one comes from Cameron107. And so this is sort of a continuation of when we were previously talking about block yeah. breaking uh, and the math around it. Right. So... 
They say the Mathrum block breaking becomes even more complicated when you take into account gears like Enchantress and Master's Death Cart, both of which do count towards Arkham Harley's passive. And when it comes to a character like Arkham Knight the Arkham Knight, the unblockable chance becomes downright impossible to calculate because of the hits from his drone strike on his special 2 count as well. As far as taking advantage of matchmaking is concerned, it kind of depends on what promotions or other characters are at. My Arkham Knight Batgirl is E3, my Arkham Harley Quinn is Elite 1, and my Arkham Origins Deathstroke is at Elite 10 with his damage max augmented. I normally don't like teams this unbalanced, but I've made an exception here, because Arkham Knight Batgirl can revive your main damage dealer so it doesn't feel like you're putting all your eggs in one basket even though you kind of are. And my initial point was that for people who really like these kinds of teams, Arkham Origins Deathstroke and Injustice 2 Superman are really good because their built-in stat increase can make a team even more unbalanced. That being said, I completely agree that Arkham Knight Batman is better in an Arkham team. He can play around Astro Harness and his other health threshold passives very easily with his special too. Or sorry, not his other, and just other health threshold passives. Right. Uh, with Deathstroke, you sort of have to punch through it, which isn't ideal. Batman also has specific counters to so many matchups, which make life a lot easier, and he can be a special 2 specialist without Master's Death card, meaning that you can have another character with the gear-shattering setup of Master's Death Clark Master's Death Cart, Clark, Claw of Horus. I was reading ahead. The problem yeah. is there's too many acronyms. So I'm reading ahead and trying to make sure I don't trip myself up. And I'm combining words. So Master's Death Cart, Claw of Horus, and a Damage Over Time gear. All in all, this is a much better team composition, even if Batman's damage is slightly lower. Right, right, right. So I'm going to... I actually... The one thing I actually like about the Arkham team is Catwoman. I want to talk about this, but it just occurred to me. So it was clearly percolating in my head what you said about how when you've got an IP, one of the things that you can do yeah. is you can try something different, mm -hmm. know that you're going to get an audience for it, yeah. and have the chance to make something really spectacular. You know what that, yeah. that's like? What? That's like um, nepotism. It's like entertainment families, and I don't know why it occurred to me. It's you know you we've we've watched Stranger Things together. Mm -hmm. You know the is is the character named Robin, the one that is it the the scoop the ice cream. Yeah, like, I think so. I think okay, so. so Robin is played by Maya Hawke. Yeah, who's the daughter of Ethan Hawke and Uma yeah. Thurman, and it's very much like that because while a big name might get you in the door, mm -hmm. if you don't perform. If you don't deliver, yeah, you're done. Like it gets mm -hmm. you in the door. It doesn't keep getting you jobs, but it gives you yeah. a chance that most people don't get. And it also, if you're if you're related to somebody with that much access to resources, it lets you keep trying and not have failure mean <clears throat> that you're like starving yeah, it, right, or homeless right, 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 right. or you know right. out of options. You you don't have to be desperate, right? You can sort of you have the resources right. to be protected, even if you know you, you you're right. taking risks on something like you know. So, Acting. yeah, so what's interesting to me is that we see this all the time when it comes to people. Yeah. I feel like we see it very rarely when it comes to franchises. Hmm. And I think that if we took this approach more with franchises, the same approach, we'd have the potential to see so much more interesting stuff. Yeah. And I think if if, if Disney is listening to us, oh, yeah, if sure Warner Brothers is yeah, listening yeah. to us, then please... <laughs> They're not this is your this is your pitch to the the yeah. executives at Warner Brothers. Let um let some of these creatives have a bit more a freer reign and the chance to do something really interesting and spectacular. This is what happened with um, uh, YTT. What's his 
name? The, Taika Waititi. Uh, yeah, yeah, Taika Waititi. Taika. 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 Okay, I can't. Right, listen, yeah. I, I apologize. I, so what I happened with Taika Waititi with what? With, um, because when he came on board, he was yeah. not known for superhero movies or mainstream movies. And he did, I think it was Thor. Was Ragnarok, Thor? yeah. Yeah. But then people are saying that Thor Love and Thunder was pretty terrible. That's okay. doesn't mean he's he's going to make all good movies. Yeah. But I'm saying that if you take a chance, you have the chance, there's a possibility of something really interesting mm-hmm. that's way better than it could have been. Yeah. And so same with um, James Gunn too, right? I don't think James Gunn was mm-hmm. doing a bunch of mainstream movies before he did Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think yeah. that's the kind of thing that I wish franchises would, would take the same risk that they do with people based on... Um, so you've got the connection and the name yeah. that gives you the opportunity, but then you have to prove yourself. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. It's like the, yeah, the Suicide Squad was really good. And then what was the spinoff show? What's the name of that guy? The American oh, Peacemaker. Guy. Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Like those were both really cool. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, it's not like, you know, DC was putting Batman, right? And letting them right. do something that sort of weird and out there right. with like a really exceptionally well-known uh, property yeah but like that was cool yeah. right and to i think even just having it be like a dc thing right right was right. close enough to sort of big and i think the other thing that's happened with superhero movies now is that i think it is less of whether or not you know the superhero and more of like oh this is like one of the big marvel movies or oh this is one right. of the big dc right. ones right. right because they've done a bunch of times like people who most people probably don't know Right? Right, right uh except for comic book fans and then made you like them like guardians of the galaxy right, right, right you know right. they weren't taking a big risk on like a, a big property that was uh, everybody's like favorite they it wasn't like you know spider-man batman superman right. like one of the ones everyone knew i had no clue who the guardians of the galaxy were but why it mattered is it was one of the big marvel movies right yeah. right so let's talk about this arkham team so deathstroke is interesting so i, I think the cameron's point is really good that when you're talking about an unbalanced team, sometimes yeah. the passives don't matter as much because the other the teammates aren't contributing as much. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense that for uh, an unbalanced team, Arkham Origins, Deathstroke, and Injustice 2 Superman are going to be really good because of their hidden stats that come from their passive yeah. that aren't taken account in matchmaking. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, for an Arkham team, my favorite favorite... So Ar- Arkham Knight Batgirl is non- non-negotiable. Absolutely right again about how the fact that Arkham Knight Batgirl can save a teammate once from getting knocked out. It's not as good as, say, coming back with some health. Because you're going to come back with one health unless you've done some healing. Yeah. So you're going to be vulnerable. So when you drop back in, you need to really be able to do some damage. A lot of times that means it has to be a special. Because if you tag in with one health and you're going to try to do a basic combo. Yeah. I feel like there's a half a chance that you're going to get knocked out before you do anything. Yeah. But it is it is a chance to sort of screw up a little bit. Not yeah. a lot. But you can screw up a little bit more than you would otherwise right. and then not, you right. know, lose. Right. But I would not want Arkham Knight Batgirl to be the weakest on the team because... All right, so this is E10, E3, and E1. Only because part of what makes her so good is that potential to do some damage when she saves her teammate. Because she's stunning. She's stunning, like, not attractive stunning, but she's stunning like she's actually going to stun the opponent. Yeah. And when they're stunned, there's a real opportunity to stack Necron Scythe, Cloak of uh, Destiny, and really um, boost your damage. But if your stats are so low, too low compared to the opponent, then it's not going to be effective enough. 
before she gets knocked out, and then Arkham Origins Destro comes back in with one health. Yeah. Um, Arkham Harley Quinn is interesting. She gives more. Uh, she gives a health boost, and she gives unblockable and special two. Um, Arkham Origins Deathstroke, I think his special two is really good, but and it's better than average. But his special one is much better than average mm-hmm. because of how you can get crit boost without any crit gears mm-hmm. on a special one if you get it to two hundred percent. Yeah. So he's really interesting because then you get you can sort of optimize the gears in a way that you can't with other people where you're trying to do two different jobs at once. Mm-hmm. So. The problem, the main problem I see with Deathstroke is that the knockout potential, with a few exceptions, for most characters comes on special two. Mm-hmm. He does really good special one damage, but usually it's not enough to knock them out. Yeah. And I actually like Arkham Knight Catwoman better, only because her with her damage over time not rinsing, mm-hmm. she can do it. Even against an opponent that tags out or against an opponent that's got Astro Harness, as long as you get the bleed in, and it will eventually bleed them out. So it's going to do enough damage even after being blocked, even after whatever. Whereas with Arkham Origins Deathstroke, you're going to need, say, Arkham Harley Quinn to get the unblockable special two, mm. or you're going to need um, to do more than one special one. Yeah. So I, it's a, been a matter of playing around with it that I've come to this conclusion, but it's super, super fun to watch them like just their the health it's like it, it doesn't it's it's like a uh, cup with a hole at the bottom it just sort of drip drip drips right yeah. out and all you have to do is survive long enough to watch it happen that's that's a pythagoras <laughs> oh that's the is that the one where if you, if you fill, fill it up too much it all drains out right because yeah. of it like a pillar reaction and it pulls it out to, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like the way toilet flushes it's how toilets work did you know that it's taking the principle that we no. use to, so when you've got a toilet yeah so it pulls Every toilet has that little kink, that little sort of S. Yeah. And so how it works is there's water sitting there and it doesn't go above the level. But when you yeah. fill it enough, all of it rises. And the part that you don't see that rises enough pulls the the fluid out of the toilet. And as it pulls it, it's all suction pulling the rest of it because it's all one continuous sort of mass of water. Yeah. So that's... We're, we're, that's how some toilets work, I'm assuming. Because I think in like airplane toilets, that suction oh. is so aggressive. But there's no way that that's just like that's true. Uh, land toilets. So most land toilets have that little S. So yes. that's why they pour water into the bowl, and somehow that gives you like a whoomp, all yeah. of a sudden. And then it... there's also those squat toilets that are just big holes in the ground. <laughs> and or um, outhouses. Outhouses. Yeah. What are um, the porta potties? Porta potties. Yeah. yeah. Those are not. Those don't work. I, I porta potties still... are just outhouses, but plastic or. So and um, at festivals. So one of those things. So this is. I don't know if I've told you the story before. When I was young, I had to go to day camp. Yeah. When I was young, my parents did not have the most enlightened idea of nutrition, and yeah. it was convenient for them to give us lunch, usually with a can of off-brand pop. Yeah. And so the off-brand pop that they used to buy us, again not healthy, it was cheap, was um, the grape. It's not crush, it's crash. <laughs> so the grape stuff, and I liked it going yeah. down enough, but there were times when, you know, it's hot, it's in the summer, you're running around and stuff. Yeah. You're, you're not, you don't have as much experience with knowing, hey, what agrees with me and what doesn't. Yeah. So there were more than a few times where I would be vomiting 
mm-hmm. after having had lunch. Gross. <laughs> it was. It was pretty yeah. gross. I, I I don't do that anymore. So, but where would you vomit? You go to the toilet. Yeah. Oh. Day camp. Oh, it's not no. toilet. It's an outhouse. So. That's so, terrible. So you you have an idea like it, but it, at least it's dark. All you have to, you're, all mm-hmm. you're really presented with is maybe something that's close enough to the surface where yeah. there's a light shining down on it. But mm-hmm. most of it is just it's just foul smelling. Yeah. Except on the last day of day camp. Yeah. As a joke, some of the counselors. Yeah. Had one of the other counselors in the outhouse. Yeah. And tipped it over with them in it, and then we could see the whole pit. Oh, of everything underneath it underneath it wait so i've i've never been entirely clear on this they've it's always felt kind of like like a bag of holding or a tardis <laughs> where it's like bigger on the inside on the outside where the, this actual <laughs> space what what happens uh inside the sort of toilet part of an outhouse is unclear to me they dig down for it they dig down for it because it can't be that wide otherwise yeah. the outhouse would just there's gonna be no place for the outhouse to rest on yeah that makes sense so they dig <laughs> down for it and then they yeah. can, like coat the outside edge so that you're oh, not just leaking sewage I, or something i, I don't know i, I don't know like, like i tell you because you saw it I, briefly when you were I, a child I, so was, I don't yeah i was my impression of it wasn't so much oh i wonder how they put this together yeah as much as oh my god that's disgusting that is what i've been facing down yeah. each time i have been unwell yeah and trying to find a appropriate place yeah for what was gonna happen yeah that's that's disgusting and so what you're saying is that that did that put you off grape soda that put me off grape soda yeah and outhouses and camping all of it it was nasty that sounds pretty foul uh yeah yeah it it was spoiler alert it was totally foul yeah so (laughs) how do we get on this i don't no. Where where was the takeoff point on that? I don't know. I really don't. We were talking about flushing and toilets. Oh and yeah. The cup, Pythagoras yeah, cup. Yeah, Pythagoras cup and the greedy cup, and then dr- draining, draining all of their Arkham Knight Catwoman. I I don't think you can really lose. I mean, <laughs> Arkham Knight Bat Batgirl is is one of the like the spectacular super teammates. If you can take advantage of her passive, there's some mm-hmm. that are really top tier. Like I think Arkham Knight Batgirl is a top tier. Uh, Remember we were talking last time, Hawkgirl's top tier, Arcanite Batgirl's top tier, New 52 Wonder Woman's top tier. Not necessarily because of what they can do, but because of what they add to the game. Batgirl, mm-hmm. plain Batgirl's top tier. And you have to look at them in the context of a team. Yeah. And I think you have to look at them in the context of using their ideal loadout. Because if you don't, then all you get are people who have no passive, like no, no sort of world what do you call that when the, their category you know like what's no red sun uh like oh that like kind universe of, or a whatever. universe that's it a universe uh advantage yeah then all you're looking at is individual characters and that's not that's not actually how we play the game yeah so i think arkham Knight Batgirl is absolutely 100 percent top tier and i would be so arkham Knight Batgirl. i mean the third one besides arkham Knight catwoman you could almost stick anybody and it would still be a good team mm-hmm. as long as you gear them properly but arkham Knight catwoman is so much fun because she makes opponents look like toilets that's how <laughs> when their health yeah. bleeds out after she's done a damage overtime special mm-hmm. yeah okay so we <laughs> i didn't even realize how far off we had gotten yeah, I, I normally I'm not I'm not awake enough. Normally I'm sleep deprived enough that sometimes the connections that it, you would have just, just I would have just forgotten where yeah. we come from. But that was it was it's it, it's interesting because the we just saw 
when we well i was just on a trip you weren't there yeah and i saw these there's a place selling these cups and i was looking at it and i thought oh yeah that's interesting that's exactly like a toilet it is taking advantage of the exact same principle that a toilet does. it's funny because i knew how a pythagoras cup worked but i did not know how toilets worked so i yeah. would not have been able to put that together looking at a pythagoras cup i would have been like oh that's like a pythagoras cup because that's what it is <laughs> um and i i am i'm not as well versed in sort of the the subtleties of of toilet technology it's, it's connections baby it's like maya hawk yeah and star wars and andor yeah so a, and a Pythagoras cup is a is a cup that is a trick that you pull on people. And what those counselors did to the other counselors, the other <laughs> was, was also, also a trick. trick. But it was it was. But the, it was not a Pythagoras cup trick. It w- but if it was a normal toilet, it would have been the same technology. Oh, that, that connection would have been really. Fun. It was really low tech though. It, this is like Inception, where it's like mirror reflection, 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 reflections. I don't think it's a lot like Inception. There's there's that um. <laughs> There's that really long copy pasta about what Waluigi is when you're when you said reflection or reflection. I didn't think about um, <laughs> Inception. I thought about because they say Mario, right? Luigi yes. is like a reflection yes. of of Mario. Yes, a little different, like a funhouse yes. mirror. Yes, and Wario is like an evil reflection of Mario. Yes, and so then what is Waluigi? He's a reflection of a reflection. He's so an he's, evil reflection of he's Mario of Luigi. He's but, Mario. No, but so that he's he's that he's a reflection of a reflection, and that he's uh and, and the sort of I I, can't, I the gist of it because I wish I had the text in my head, but right. I don't have that kind of memory. Uh, I would feel maybe a little bad if actually if I did have it memorized, but that he's a reflection of a reflection. He's supposed to be the everyman, and right. that um. Then I think it devolves into some like socialist talking points where he's supposed to be like a representation of the proletariat or something like that. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, no. <laughs> so it, Inception was not, and I'm I'm maybe even a little ashamed to say that a a copy pasta about uh, Waluigi was the first thing that came to mind when you're talking about that. That's cool. It's just it's doors and windows. It, it is funny though, right? Because of the way we raise. I mean, a lot of times people talk about generations, and it feels very artificial. Yeah. But this is one of those examples where it really does make sense. Where our cultural touchstones mm-hmm. are completely different, and probably part of the reason why I think yeah. uh, big age gaps in relationships are so difficult is because when you're missing those cultural touchstones, then a lot of times you're you're lacking the familiarity and maybe that's good good for some relationships but it's not as sustaining for one that where you expect to have somebody be a partner Mm -hmm. instead of just like somebody that you hang out with yeah i I mean i don't think that most people have this cultural touchstone of waluigi but i do have the text of the meme oh okay yeah i want to hear it i want to hear it it's good waluigi is the ultimate example of an individual shaped by the signifier Waluigi is a man only seen in mirror images. Lost in a hall of mirrors, he is a reflection of a reflection of a reflection. You start with Mario, the wholesome all-Italian plumbing Superman. You reflect him to create Luigi, the same thing but slightly less. You invert Mario and create Wario. Mario turns septic and libertarian. Uh, Then... 
Then you reflect the inversion in the reflection. You create a being who can only exist in reference to others. Waluigi is the true nowhere man. Without the other characters he reflects, inverts and parodies, he has no reason to exist. Waluigi's identity only comes from what and who he isn't. Without a wider frame of reference, he is nothing. He is not his own man. In a world where our identities are shaped by our warped relationships to brands and commerce, we are all Waluigi. Okay. And this comes from I, okay. We, Waluigi, a postmodern analysis of Waluigi by Frank Ribery. So... Waluigi's identity only comes from what and who he isn't. Okay. Yeah. Is only yeah. in silence the word, only in darkness light, bright the hawk's flight on the empty sky. I don't know what that is. That is a poem from Wizard of Earthsea, oh. creation of Ea, Ursula Le Guin. <laughs> and that made me think of exactly that yeah. when... It's that that contrast, right? Like you, that's an idea that a lot of writers have mm-hmm. used before. But I don't know why it struck me so hard. And I think, wow, this is this is this has got to be one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. where we're making all these connections. And I feel so. You know what it's like? Yeah. It's like when you're playing the game and you've been playing it and grinding it for a while, and all yeah. of a sudden you come upon a combination of of a teammate where yeah. you become so much more engaged and you you you're, you're sort of into what's happening. This is what today's episode mm-hmm. feels exactly like. Thank yeah. you very much. I'm just very I I forgot how funny the line uh Wario Mario turned septic and libertarian <laughs> was. I forgot how good that was. That is good. And you know, I I think a lot of the the value that I've provided in this episode is just finding and repeating somebody else's content, but I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think uh, this is probably a good place to end it, it is, off for the week. It is. Um, so. You know what? And as a bonus to viewers, mm-hmm. uh, how about I just stick in more footage at the end, even after we finish talking? Because this is this is a, a I, I love Jessica Cruz as a team teammate, okay. and this team is really good. Yeah. Um, shout out to uh, Aliza Septic and Libertarian Caden. <laughs> uh, she is a reflection of a reflection. Uh, I forgot to write it, but I, I think that turned out very well. So that was very funny. This one was uh, brought to you by a postmodern analysis of uh, Waluigi. Uh, and we'd also like to give a huge thank you to all the lovely folks who support us on Patreon. And that would be Bomble Ben, Consul Peasant, and Ed Woon, uh, supporting us at the highest tier last word. Cinemac and Mohammed El Shady at the Your Message Here tier. Drew Chapman, Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, Michael DeVries, Brandon C., Irvin Ruiz, Eddie Dew, and Hoshi127 supporting us on the credited level. And Chris Wolf, Scarlet Danny, Awesome Gamer 2 for 1, Pavu RS, Gavin Malott, and Isra E at the Gratitude level. And I do want to point out, because we're getting close to, at some point, we talked about this a little bit. I'm Even before we get to the point where we're saying this is past the pandemic, I want to point out that the people who are still currently supporting us are Drew Chapman, Michael DeVries, Irvin Ruiz, and Hoshi127, who are still on board with us at this moment so not at some so point you get a pandemic, double thank you right you get now. a double thank you right now because you are current and i just want to point that out because i do value um what they've been doing to encourage us to keep on doing this because maybe it doesn't mean the same to you because it's it's uh you're not i guess in our heads and part of this process but i mm-hmm. i feel way more motivated to have kept this up for the last few years because of um our patrons yeah even if the the money itself is not like enough oh. for this to be like a living for us, it, the it, the thing that it signifies is significant all the same. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for your support. And thanks so much to all of you for watching. We'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.